You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Today we are kicking off our on-air discussions on eviction and housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan as part of our summer community read of the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond. It's not too late to join the book club. Pick up the book and join the conversations here on the show on Facebook or at one of our many in-community book club events. But if you'd prefer not to read the book, that's cool too. We still want you to be part of the conversation on the show as we try to pick apart and find possible solutions to the really widespread housing issues that face our region. Today, we want to take a look at what we feel is one of the most critical forms of eviction that residents in our area face. That is the loss of homes through tax foreclosure. It's fitting that we start here because our region has struggled mightily with people falling behind on their taxes and then losing their home for those tax debts. Programs have been put in place in Wayne County to curtail the number of homes lost through the auction process after it's been tax foreclosed. And just last week, the city of Detroit settled a lawsuit with the ACLU of Michigan, which was suing to stop people from losing their homes through the tax foreclosure process with regard to assessments and some of the problems with assessments that have existed over the years. The settlement is going to allow a lot of people to try to keep their homes if they can manage to come up with about $1,000 on any amount of tax debt. Joining us now to talk more about the settlement and the issue uh, more generally is Vicki Kavari. She is the general manager of the Department of Neighborhoods with the city of Detroit. She has been working on foreclosure reduction as part of that department in the city. Vicki, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. It's great to be here. Yeah. So let's start with this settlement. Uh, very big news last uh, last week when, when it was announced. Uh, what was at stake and what does the settlement perhaps uh, offer to people who face this issue? Well, at the heart of the settlement was uh, the what we call the homeowner property tax exemption, otherwise known as the poverty tax exemption. Yes. And owner occupants who are low income, who face foreclosure, um, have access to this. Um, so the settlement was uh, primarily an, a streamlining of the process for people to apply for that So and making it more accessible. Yeah. The application's online. The city's required to do mailings annually. Uh, do a lot more outreach to make people aware that it's available um, and make the deadlines a lot more accessible. So, uh, And generally allow owner-occupants who are low-income, who simply cannot pay their taxes because of various financial difficulties, to allow them to stay in their homes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And and, uh, talk about how the city sort of approaches this issue uh, more generally, there's been a lot of pressure put on the city to try to address tax foreclosures, which are primarily a function of Wayne County and state law. Uh, but of course, they have an effect on the city and city government, city tax base, things like that. Talk about the role that you guys are playing and how difficult uh, it is or maybe is not to try to to try to reduce those numbers when really uh, the levers aren't necessarily within within your grasp. Well, when the mayor started the Department of Neighborhoods, our number one charge was to fight blight. Mm-hmm. It became very clear to us that we could do literally thousands of cleanups, mobilize thousands of volunteers, prioritize demolitions. But at the heart of the blight issue was vacant homes. And a lot of the vacancies 
were driven by people losing their homes through tax foreclosures. The majority of those homes were renter-occupied, so landlords were not paying the taxes. Typically, a third of all the people who buy properties at the Wayne County tax auction Mm -hmm. don't pay any taxes. So three years, there's a cycle with a third of those properties going back into tax foreclosure. So we felt like we had to take some leadership on this issue. So I convened a group that was an attempt to get all of the key players around the table. And this was like in December of 2015. Uh The county treasurer's office, the city of Detroit, Wayne County um, Land Bank, the the Detroit Land Bank, United Community Housing Coalition, a bunch of other advocates. And to try to get us to talk together to figure out some more, more robust strategies to tackle this problem of tax foreclosures. So that's how we started. And we participated in a massive education and outreach efforts. My district managers went door to door, getting uh, residents who were at risk for foreclosure to turn out to workshops uh-huh. that the United Community Housing Co- <clears throat> Coalition organized. And in the fall or last year, participated in a massive outreach effort around poverty tax exemptions. Uh, Quicken Loans and others uh, paid stipends to 30 or more community groups to do a massive outreach to 64,000 houses Uh that were at least one year or more delinquent in their taxes. They made contact with almost 60,000 of them. So it was a massive effort. We we held workshops in our district manager offices and recreation centers. We organized volunteers to help folks fill out the applications. So it was a massive outreach effort around this issue. So before the settlement, even before the case, we had been doing work, um, massive education and outreach efforts with a, a really unique public-private partnership to tackle this issue of property tax foreclosure. Yeah. Uh, and talk about how then the suit sort of played into that that narrative, obviously, that adds some urgency to, to the things that you're doing. Uh, but the settlement probably, I would imagine, gives you, uh, you know, an opportunity to sort of get back to this, this focus on moving forward. Absolutely. I think um, the mayor ran on uh, trying to reassess all of the properties in the city of Detroit. And that was at um, a key, obviously, part of the lawsuit. Yeah. That process was finished in late 16, early 17, um, but it was always our commitment to do that because, and we've seen a steady decline, sometimes a dramatic decline in foreclosures, especially among owner occupants um, because of the reassessments, the legislation that was passed allowing people to get on tax payment plans at a mm-hmm. reduced interest rate, uh, increases in property values, and this this major education and outreach effort that we've been doing for the last three years. Um, The lawsuit focuses on owner occupants, which is a really key part of it. Um, And then just gives us more tools by streamlining the poverty tax exemption process. I think it's going to really open doors for a lot of folks that um, are truly at need and have, um, and have no or little means to, uh, to keep their homes yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Vicki Cavari, General Manager of the Department of Neighborhoods with the City of Detroit. We're talking about tax foreclosure here in the city. We're talking about it as part of our Summer Book Club, uh, where we are leading a community read of the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond and leading discussions about housing insecurity issues here in Southeast Michigan, not just evictions, but think of 
foreclosures. Think of the tax foreclosures, what we're talking about today. Think of the affordable housing issues and uh, issues that swirl around segregation, housing segregation in Southeast Michigan. We want to get to all of those things uh, during these discussions this summer. If you want to join the conversation today, Give us a call and tell us, have you lost a home to foreclosure, tax or bank foreclosure? What was that like for you? Or do you know someone who has lost their home in the foreclosure process? Are you somebody who works? I know a lot of folks are working real hard in Detroit in particular on this issue, trying to figure out ways to stop people from falling behind on their taxes in the first place, but then also getting them to take advantage of the opportunity to get into payment plans when they do so that they don't lose their houses. Also, give us a call. If you've been reading the book Evicted with us, how do you think foreclosure factors into the story of eviction and housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan. If you want to give us a call, the number, as always, is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Also remember, we have on our Detroit Today uh, Facebook page for the Summer Book Club, a lot of discussions going on about both the book and housing insecurity issues. You can go to Facebook and search for Detroit Today Summer Book Club. Find that and join. Uh, Vicki, I want to uh, talk about this this issue of the assessments, which is one of the issues at the center of this, this lawsuit. Uh, that really gets to the question of fairness, I think, uh, that, that a lot of people raise when we talk about tax foreclosure, that it's not just that people have fallen behind. It's not just that they haven't uh, made the effort or been able to connect with the opportunities to catch up through a payment plan, but that there is something uh, unequal or uh, corrupt almost about the way in which this unfolds because assessments were so high for so long in Detroit and that people were asked to pay way more than they should have been for their taxes. Uh, what What's the city's answer to that, uh, to that criticism, and, and do you feel like this settlement addresses that? Well, as I said earlier, this issue came up when Mayor Duggan, then candidate Duggan, was running in 2013. Mm-hmm. We heard stories, horrific stories, about overassessments. Mm-hmm. The mayor was committed to changing that, to reassessing everyone. Uh, the city, though, was in the middle of bankruptcy, mm-hmm. but the commitment was there. Um, there was a massive effort to reassess all of those properties and um, a, an effort to try to develop programs uh, to help people keep their homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, there's no doubt that those there were overassessments. And I think that we have tried, at least as much as it was in our power, to correct those inefficiencies or deficiencies in the past um, by doing the reassessments, by getting us involved in 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 door-to-door outreach efforts by supporting partners like the United Community Housing Coalition. We developed a pilot program last year uh, called um, where the city used its right of refusal to actually buy occupied properties from the county, saving right. them from the auction. And these were properties that were all rental properties. Mm-hmm. So the landlords had failed to pay the taxes. The, te- the tenants were generally paying rent. Yeah. Um, and 80, 95 properties altogether were put into this pilot project. Um, the city then um, 
basically transferred the properties to the United Community Housing Coalition, which made the city whole in terms of its money that they had to pay Wayne County for those properties. Now, we had used the right of refusal program before, but for mostly vacant properties, vacant land. It's the first time. So we didn't know it was going to happen. But as of now, um, over 50 of those 95 properties, have the people have paid off the amount in full. And there's another 40-some that are on a payment plan, as in a land contract, that are scheduled to get their deeds probably by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Only four of those 95 uh, property owners or um, those original tenants mm-hmm. have failed to keep up with their payments. Wow. So because of the success of that program, we then expanded it this year. So we're going to have at least two to 300 more uh, people in the right of refusal program uh, who are both owners, um, low-income property owners, and tenants yeah. who are buying their house. And that's another thing that the mayor, and I think our department especially, has tried to do is uh, try to find ways any way we can is to encourage people who now rent to become owners. Um, so we can't change what happened in the past. We, And I think we have made significant efforts to control what we can control through the reassessments mm-hmm. and this education and outreach, the right of refusal, um, and the interest rate reductions. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us about your uh, experience with foreclosure here in the city of Detroit in Southeast Michigan, foreclosures by banks, foreclosures uh, by tax authorities, uh, or tell us if you work in a space where tax foreclosures in particular uh, come up. Uh, other kinds of social services I know are affected uh, very frequently by foreclosure and eviction and all of those things. Uh, call us and join the conversation. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Paul in Pontiac. Paul, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes. So my experience with this um, is kind of an observation and an opinion. Uh-huh. So take it for what it is. All right. Um, if you look at Oakland County, I know we've been talking Wayne County mostly, but if you mm-hmm. look at Oakland County mm-hmm. and you look at the, the foreclosure list for this year and many years past, mm-hmm. you will notice that there's a distinct disparity amongst where the majority of the foreclosures for tax happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that it boils down to both economic and racial divides in that if you look at it, you find several properties from the vast majority of Oakland County's communities, from Lake Orion to Farmington to Southfield. Mm -hmm. But then that will be two, three, five properties from each little part of the county. And then you will have three, four, five pages of properties from the city of Pontiac. Sure. And so my wonderment is, Is it not just more convenient for a community to just go through the foreclosure process because they're backed up and supported by law and it throws the majority of the work onto the county government instead of the city government, Hmm. as opposed to some kind of a program that, like you were talking about in Wayne County there, would allow the owner-occupant of a property to take control of that property and attempt to pay property taxes in the case of uh, rental properties? Mm -hmm. Or why can't we have, like the uh, Wayne County used to do or Detroit used to do years ago, you buy a piece of property for a dollar 
and it's yours, assuming you can show that you're able to fix it up and maintain it and pay taxes on it. Right, right. I mean, it seems so simple to me, but it almost is like a cop-out for city government to just say, Hmm. well, we'll let it go to the county and they can deal with it. Hmm. Paul, I I really appreciate uh, your listing and, and the comments there. Uh, and, and the call, of course, uh, Vicki Kavari, I know you can't talk about what goes on in Oakland County. Uh, you don't work there. But but there is this question of the city's role in all of this and how the city can be working to you know mitigate this problem as opposed to letting the county uh, take care of it itself. There's also, I think, lurking in what Paul was saying, the question of – uh, policy here, right? Uh, what is why do we have a, a, a legal infrastructure in this state that leads us to this kind of action against homeowners when they fall behind uh, in taxes? I know again, that's not that's not something that uh, that that's your responsibility uh, in the Department of Neighborhoods, but I'm but I'm wondering if you have thoughts on how that how that dynamic sort of unfolds, not just here in Detroit, but but statewide. Well, clearly, I think we have to do more to capture people before they get to the three-year point mm-hmm. and they get foreclosure. So there's a couple of things that we could do and that we're working on. One is if somebody gets behind after one year, we really ha- we need to intervene at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is figuring out a way in which uh, we can allow people to pay their taxes monthly. There's only about 10 or 12% of the folks in Detroit the home sales are mortgages. so And that number is going up, but still we have most of the people who, who don't have mortgages on their house. So they don't get this automatic deduction or payment with their mortgage for taxes. Um, so it, when you get that tax bill in July and it's 1000 or $2,000, it's really daunting to mm-hmm. figure out how you're going to pay it. So that's one thing I think we could do is figure out a way in which people can be on a monthly tax payment plan just before they get behind. Right now, you have to be in foreclosure to get on the tax payment plan. So that's one thing you could do. Another thing we're doing right now, and I think this is key, is we're we're in the process of developing a financial empowerment center, which would target people at risk of foreclosure with financial one-on-one financial counseling mm-hmm. and help the groups that are now providing financial counseling provide a, a place where they can get together, where we can try to re- raise resources for them and expand their capacity, but also the role of local government, particularly the city and the county together saying, this is a priority. We're going to target financial counseling to to specific groups like people at risk for foreclosure, people who are in the right of refusal program who are new owners um, who also don't um, have an ability to get a monthly deduction or mm-hmm. payment of their pay- plans to make sure that they know when it comes to July or January when those taxes are due that they have enough set aside. And financial counseling has been really successful in other cities um, in helping people uh, avoid that kind of financial crisis. So we think with this financial counseling center uh, that we're, we're, we're going to launch hopefully in the beginning of next year with the city and the county together that mm-hmm. we can also help tackle this problem before people get into too much trouble and go to the county. So it is the city's responsibility. We're taking it seriously, um, and we need to do more, yeah. and we are. Yeah. Okay, Vicki Gofari, 
general manager of the Department of Neighborhoods with the city of Detroit. Thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Well, it's been great. Thank you, Stephen. Mm -hmm. Up next, we're going to talk to the legal director of the ACLU of Michigan about the settlement with the city over tax foreclosure. And uh, stay with us for that, but also stay with us on the phones. Has foreclosure touched your neighborhood, perhaps during the housing crisis? Did an empty house blight your neighborhood or your street? Were things better when that house was full, and was it hard for the house to sell once the owner was kicked out? Call and tell us about your experience and your neighborhood uh, with tax foreclosure and other kinds of foreclosures, evictions that drive the blight and poverty that we see here in the city of Detroit. 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about tax foreclosure as part of our summer book club, where we're reading Matthew Desmond's book, Evicted, and talking about housing insecurity issues here all over southeast Michigan. Lots of different issues, not just eviction itself, but foreclosure, tax foreclosure, affordable housing, housing segregation, all of these things that sort of sometimes layer on top of one another in our community to make it difficult for people to live someplace securely and decently. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. Tell us what your experience is with tax foreclosure, what it looks like in your neighborhood, perhaps here in the city of Detroit. Has it made a difference in the way uh, that your neighborhood sees stability and security? Those kinds of things. If you're somebody who's experienced tax foreclosure or other kinds of foreclosure, we would love to hear from you as well. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about the settlement between the city of Detroit and the ACLU which sued the city over some tax foreclosures, is Michael Steinberg. He is the legal director of the ACLU of Michigan. Michael, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. It's always great to see you in studio. So uh, I, I want to spend a little time with you talking more about this case and the settlement. Uh, sometimes these issues get confusing and they're, they're pretty particular. Uh, the, the suit was pretty particular. Tell us what it was about and tell us why you think this settlement moves us forward. At the heart of our case, which we brought with the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, was the fact that thousands of Detroiters were losing their home for inability to pay taxes that they never should have had to pay in the first place. It was having a disparate impact on African Americans who have faced hurdles mm -hmm. for generations uh, since the founding of Detroit. And uh, we wanted to work with community organizations uh, to make a difference. And we're thrilled that uh, the city is now partnering, part partnering with mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. to uh, to make a difference and, and hopefully 
uh, save hundreds, if not thousands, of, of homes to unfair tax foreclosure. And and uh, let's talk about that unfairness. We talked about that briefly with Vicky Kavari in the last segment. Uh, these were homes whose assessments were not adjusted uh, according to the market differences in Detroit. So as the city's overall real estate values fell, the city kept collecting taxes as though the houses were still worth much more than they were. Right. There's two primary reasons that people were losing for homes for inability to pay taxes that they never should have had to in the first place. The first issue, as you mentioned, is uh, over-assessments. Under the Michigan Constitution, uh, municipalities must tax homes at the true cash value. Mm -hmm. um, in uh, Detroit, that was not happening. Uh, in fact, until recently, um, and, and I credit the, the mayor's office for finally doing uh, a, a, a citywide reassessment, reassessment. Right. Uh, but before that, um, it was completely out of whack. After the Great Recession in 2008, the value of homes uh, across the country, but particularly in Detroit, plummeted, uh, and sometimes uh, to near zero. Mm -hmm. And what we had here were homes were selling in the tax foreclosure auction for $500, but they were being taxed sometimes as if they were worth fifty dollars or $60,000. So that, <laughs> that yeah, was crazy. That's unfair. Right? Uh, unfair. The other reason, which is what our settlement uh, is about, is um, people were losing homes for inability to pay taxes when they actually qualify for the poverty tax exemption. Uh, in Detroit, if your income falls below the federal poverty guidelines, mm -hmm. you should be paying zero dollars in taxes. taxes. Right. Zero. Um, however, the it was very difficult for mm -hmm. people. Well, first of all, most people who qualified didn't even know about the mm -hmm. program. It was uh, almost a secret. And even those who knew about it uh, had many unfair obstacles to obtaining the benefit of it. For example, um, bef you know, when we filed the case, uh, the, in order to apply for the poverty tax exemption, you couldn't just go online, get an application, or get an application from uh, you know, UCHC or another social service agency. You had to go down there. You had to travel down <laughs> to the Coleman Young building, uh, which is difficult if you don't own a car, sure. stand in line. When you get to the front of the line, you couldn't apply. You couldn't even get an application. What you had to do was essentially apply for an application. The application was then supposed to be sent to you. Many people never received it. And uh, many other people, when they did receive it, um, the artificial deadline date that was stamped on the application had already passed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If they got it before, they were stamping a, a two-week deadline, even though under state law, it's not due until the end of the year. Sure. Even if you got it before the deadline, you only had a short period of time to gather all these documents that no other city required. I mean, often people had to get their kids' report cards, had to get a legal document establishing their marital status. Um, it was just unfair it was just and viola it violated due process yeah. rights. And so uh, we brought this case and, and uh, litigated for two years. And recently... 
to the city's credit, they've, they've come together and we, we've developed this creative solution. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really remarkable if you think about how long this has gone on in Detroit that, uh, that the city finally did come around and say, hey, you know, rather than pushing back or sort of criticizing what, uh, what the people are saying who, who are being affected uh, by this, that, hey, you know, we can come up with ways uh, to deal with this. I mean, it's really to the ACLU's credit that the suit is the thing that, that seemed to have moved the city's position pretty, pretty formidably. The city had been making some changes. For mm-hmm. example, the reassessments, um, they had made some changes to the, the process, but um, what we were able to do was to craft uh, an agreement that will hopefully stem the, the worst tax foreclosure crisis in our country since the, the Great Depression. Yeah. Um, you know, under the right of refusal program um, that Vicki was talking about, people who are in tax foreclosure right now or in the next two years uh, if they are able to show that they they were eligible for the poverty tax exemption, will be able to get their homes back for one thousand yeah. dollars. And that one thousand dollars, if they don't have it now, they can work with uh, the United Community Housing Coalition uh, to enter into a tax-free payment plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I, I need to emphasize it's really important if they're in tax foreclosure this year that they have to act immediately. Yeah. Uh, until yesterday, the the deadline for qualifying was tomorrow. Uh, we just got an extension. The Wayne County Treasurer has extended uh, this deadline, and so what people need to do is get down to the uh, UCHC office, get in a workshop. And, and save save their home. Yeah, it, it really is remarkable if you're living or working in a neighborhood that's affected by this issue, and and trying to get homeowners to a know that they are in tax trouble, and b uh, know uh, that there's help, and then c actually engage with that help. I mean, there are incredible hurdles to that stuff here in the city, and that not all of that is. Uh, the city or the county's fault. It's it's a function of the poverty, I think, and disconnectedness uh, that a lot of people experience. But but it is, you know, so much of this is about people not knowing or not acting on things that could save their home. Right. Um, UCHC and many community uh, organizations, the Coalition Against Unconstitutional Tax Foreclosures, Moratorium Now, Detroit Eviction Defense, they are going... Uh, door to door um, uh, with this app mm-hmm. that Loveland created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Paffendorf, yeah, uh, one of the and, people um, who is really out front on, on this. Jerry's issue. been tremendous, and uh, I went out uh, two Saturdays ago um, to some of these homes and met several people who qualify for the agreement under the settlement, and. Um, they were so, it was so gratifying. Sure. Um, and it's really important. The time is short. We need to get the word out. And many people uh, will be going door to door in the next week. Yeah. Uh, again, 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, we got a lot of folks who want to chime in on this issue. Let's go to Tim in Detroit. Tim, welcome to Detroit today. 
Thank you. Hey. I just, um, I have a question. I live in East English Village. During the Great Recession, um, we tried to sell our home. Uh, when we looked at comparables at that particular time, we just noticed, hey, there's a lot of these homes at 8000 10000 15000 and they're like, my car is worth more than this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all bought up by uh, an investor in New York. Um, so there are some homes, there are three of them that are across the street from me. Uh, two of them are occupied now, but one um, is being rehabbed and is still uh, without an owner. Um, I don't know if there's anything to be done. I, mm. I believe it's one of the more established neighborhoods in the city, mm-hmm. and yet they're still um, boarded up houses. Uh, in our neighborhood. Yeah. Is there anything that can be done or anything that we can look at to try to see if we can get owners into some of those homes in my neighborhood? Yeah, great question, Tim. One of the one of the dynamics that the, this problem has created, of course, is more blight uh, in not just stable neighborhoods like Eastern English Village, but uh, in particular in neighborhoods that were already struggling with uh, with stability, I imagine that this settlement is just like a tiny step, maybe toward uh, you know turning that dynamic in in the other direction. Yeah, the irony of what has been happening in the city is that people were losing their homes um, for inability to pay, you know, four thousand very little amount of money, five thousand dollars. Uh, even though they shouldn't have been charged anything. Um, and maybe this didn't happen quite as much in East English Village, but in most of the city, uh, when the homes were lost to tax foreclosure, uh, most of the homes, or a large percentage of the homes, would go vacant, um, become blighted, uh, and eventually become dangerous mm-hmm. and depress the, the property values in the neighborhoods. And eventually, the city had to pay to take those down, and it cost you know ten to fifteen thousand right. to take the homes down when it could have remained Demo stable home, right. by keeping people in their homes. Yeah. So it was really heartbreaking to see this happen uh, for years and years, and and that's why we got involved, and uh, and so. Hopefully, you know, this is certainly not a panacea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to solve all the problems caused by such a, a crisis. Um, not only the tax foreclosure crisis, but the mortgage foreclosure crisis. I'm happy to talk about that, too, because sure. we brought a case around that. Um, but but it, it's a first step. And uh, the, the best thing to do is to keep people in their homes. You right. know, Detroit used to be known as the city of homes. Uh, had the pe- highest rate of, of uh, home ownership uh, for a long time. It was great. And, and just recently, of course, um, we went from being uh, majority homeowners to majority, majority renters. Owners. And uh, it, it's a tragedy. Um, you know, homes have been the source of wealth mm-hmm. for many Detroiters. Um, there's a huge income gap, uh, as everybody knows, between whites and and people of color but the wealth gap is even greater and in detroit when people lost their homes that had been in their families for generations it it, it was just um you know deplorable decimated families you can see that all over 
Detroit, uh, in the neighborhood where I was born, uh, near Livernois and Grand River, in the house my family lived in when I was when I was born. My godparents bought that house in 1960 for thirty thousand dollars, which is about the equivalent of two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. I bought it out of tax foreclosure in 2017 for $500, yeah. right? So yeah. all of the wealth that should have accrued to that family over that 50 years uh, is gone. Uh, right. And you can just go house by house by house through the city uh, and and see that it's really it's really unbelievably tragic uh, that, that, that all of that just went away. And there are a lot of reasons that that happened, uh, historical and, and current. Okay, Michael Steinberg, legal director of the ACLU of Michigan. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Sure. And remember, if you want to be part of the Detroit Today Summer Book Club, there are lots of ways to do it. One is, of course, by listening here every day to the program. The other is by coming to the events that we have scheduled throughout the summer to talk about housing insecurity in Southeast Michigan. Our first is next Tuesday, July 17th at the Ann Arbor Public Library. You can come out for that. You can also go to the WDET.org, find out when the rest of the events are. And of course, you can go to Facebook and join the Detroit Today Summer Book Club digital online platform where we're discussing these issues. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. Program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. The associate producers are Gus Navarro and Evan Yee. And Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobie. And this is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.